What's your mom? A working mom. And what did she write? The working the mom. The working mom blueprint. blueprint. And what should they do? Go buy, buy it today. The Working Mom Blueprint is now available wherever books are sold. Go grab it for yourself, for a friend, for a sister, for a colleague, so we can help working moms, all moms, to thrive, not just survive on their motherhood journey. Welcome to the Modern Mommy Dog Podcast. I'm Dr. Whitney Caceres. I'm a full-time pediatrician and a full-time modern mom. I speak and write about equipping mamas to raise resilient, healthy children and to invest in their own social-emotional health along the way. Each week, we'll give you the practical tools you need to win at parenting without losing yourself. Welcome back to the Modern Mommy Dog Podcast. Today, I am welcoming author Lori James, who wrote a memoir called Sandwiched. And Lori, thank you so much for being on the show today. Well, thank you so much for having me, Whitney. I really wish there was podcasts out there like this when I was raising my four daughters. Um, I'm dating myself by saying this, but... The, the Bible that we had was what to expect when you're expecting. So yep. that just goes to show you my age. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I, I had a copy of what to expect when you're expecting. I don't think it ages you. I don't think it ages you at all. You know, and the the motherhood experience of moms, I would say within the last, you know, 10 to 20 years, we are all really a, a community that has common, common struggles, you know, yes. um, no matter exactly when you had your kids. So absolutely. Uh, yeah, we're we're excited to have you and and this is a little bit of a different episode for our guests and I'm excited for our audience and and I'm excited to have you because we're going to really hopefully learn from your story and hoping that moms can can see themselves in parts of your story and yes. and learn from from your experience. So yes, I I'm very excited to share it with your listeners. Mm-hmm. Okay. Tell us about sandwiched and how you came to write it and and what it's all about. Okay. So um, first, okay. So my story is basically about an eight year period in my life when I found myself raising my four teenage daughters. My mother suddenly fell ill and um, shortly into that process, my marriage began to crumble. And so I was really just, it was like the perfect storm. Mm-hmm. And I really found myself reevaluating everything in my life. Like, what does marriage mean? What does being a mother mean? You know, and it, it was a very difficult and emotional time because the two people that I relied on most, my mother and my husband, were not there for me. And so I was very lost and alone through that process. I found myself very alone and I had to started therapy, 
started, you know, practicing yoga and I really had to walk through and figure out what, what I was doing, where my life was and, and how do I move forward from this point? The way I started to write my book was it actually started as the caregiver chronicles. Mm. And because when my mom fell ill, she uh, started to need care. My dad was not capable of caring for her. And so I was hiring these caregivers and I was using a reputable agency, I thought. And it turned out I had a caregiver that was drinking on the job and Mm -hmm. stealing from us. I had another one that was dressing up in, you know, mini skirts and, um, (laughs) you know, V-neck shirts when I wasn't around and emotionally seducing my dad. And my dad was giving, you know, there was like hundreds of dollars of cash that were missing from my parents' bank account. And then I had a third one that she was really great in the beginning. And then she kind of decided it was time for my mom to die. And she kept saying, your mommy wants to die. Your mommy wants to die. And I'm like, my mommy has not been able to talk because my mom had dementia. Mm-hmm. And and then I found out she had stopped giving my mom uh, her medication. So that's how it started. So I would come home and tell my husband at the time and talk to my girlfriends and cry and uh, you know, go for long walks and lament. And mm-hmm. everybody kept saying, Lori, you have to write this stuff down because like you couldn't make this stuff up if you tried. Yeah. And, I, and you know, it's like, that's what I was saying. Like, I couldn't make this stuff up if I tried. And so, and I just like, I'm too busy. I was like, I'm not a writer. Like I was not one of those people that, um, you know, wrote in a journal growing up. And when I was in high school and college, if somebody, you know, if our professor or teacher gave me a blank page to say, oh, write a creative story, story, it's like my mind would just go blank. Right. But just through this process, I realized, yeah, I do have a story. So I went to a yoga retreat one weekend and there was a writer there and she just said, just start, just like go spend an hour right now and go write. And I did. And it took me a couple of years to get there. And then I started taking writing courses through UCLA Extension, then found this wonderful group up in the Bay Area who has a have a memoir program called Write Your Memoir in Six Months. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I just launched it from there. And, um, but it, it wasn't until I left towards the end of my marriage, and through really like, putting together my outline that I realized this is a bigger story than just a caregiver chronicles. This is about the sandwich generation, which is really a subject that is fairly new for a lot of people. And I'm in my mid fifties. So it's, you know, I'm on the precipitous of that because it's, we're going to be the first generation that is really dealing with this because our parents are living longer and we're having kids later. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and our parents didn't have to deal with that, or at least my parents didn't. My grandparents passed away very quickly. Heart attack, boom, gone. Stroke, Mm -hmm. boom, gone. Right. Right. So, and it's, um, so I'm, thank you for having me because I think it's a very important subject. I also think COVID has probably brought a little bit more light to it. 
because we have been so worried about our elderly parents through this. Mm -hmm. So I'm hoping it's landing at a very good time just to get people to start thinking about that and maybe having some of these more difficult conversations with our parents. Yeah. So the sandwich generation is this idea of the care we need to give to our parents and then the care we still have to give to our children yes. because we had these kiddos later for a lot yeah. of us than yeah. the generations before us. And then where we fall as individuals yeah. within all of that, right? Exactly. Yeah, I, I can appreciate that. You know, my uh, my dad has Parkinson's and- mm, Sorry. You know, my, yeah, no, it's, it's tough. And, and my parents are in their 70s and mm-hmm. we're starting to see, you know, yeah. um, we're starting to think about how are we going to make sure that they're okay? Well, my kids are still young, yeah. almost five, almost eight. Those are really young kids to still really need to be in it with them. Yeah, yeah, it, it is. And my kids were 10. So I have a set of twins that are that were 10 at the time, 13 and 15. Um, and my mom also was about 75 when she had this heart attack, which just catapulted her her into a state, a, a deeper state of dementia. We saw mm-hmm. the, or we had seen the early warning signs, but we thought we had a little bit more time. And um, it, it's, it's important to have those difficult conversations with your parents about, you know, do you have your affairs in order? Do you, um, what do you want for your end of life? Like, mm-hmm. you know, do you want quantity or do you want quality? Mm -hmm. Right. At at what point, you know, if, and you can be this specific, they can be this specific and we can be this specific in our wills and trust of, you know, if I am incontinence and I cannot, um, I don't know my name and I've now had four infections. Mm -hmm. Don't treat me for that fifth infection. Like you, you know, we can be that specific and it's, it's not a fun conversation. They're difficult conversations to have, but it's really, I think they're important questions. So that way we know how to honor our parents when they can't advocate for themselves any longer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think too, I don't know if this came up for you with your parents, but just this idea of. And I think COVID made this even more front and center for, for my family. I know for a lot of families, this idea of your freedom to be able to travel or to be able to do the things you want to do, to live the life you want to live can be gone in a moment, be it from age-related illness, be it from a global pandemic, be it from an early death in your family or a tragic accident. I mean, all of those things. And so what do your parents how do they want to live the end of their life, spend their yeah. time? And yeah. then how do we want to spend our time now before we get yeah. to those places? Yeah. I mean, it's, I think yeah. a lot of us are things, really reevaluating. Things, <laughs> things can change on a dime. And that's, and that was what happened with my mom. My mom had a mild heart attack. She went in to have angioplasty, which is, you know, a very, you know, non-invasive surgery. And, mm-hmm. Uh, they, her artery was too small. Um, Mm -hmm. and so they weren't able to get the stint in. 
And between the anesthesia and I don't know if maybe it was some plaque that got loose. I'm not exactly sure what. She came out of that surgery and she was not the same person. She was drawing figures in the air. She was Mm. mixing past and present um, stories up. And I was, I walked into the hospital room and I just thought, oh my God, my life has just changed on a dime. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and the it's the emotional piece of that too. The emotional piece of, oh my God, my mom is not there for me anymore. She helped me yeah. raise my kids. She yeah. would come over when she was a school teacher. She loved my kids as they loved her. And, and now those tables were turned and it's that, it took me a long time, that acceptance of, I don't have my mom anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, to be that support, that rock, that support system for me. So mm-hmm. that definitely took took some time to to get through. Yeah. No, I, I feel that with my dad. My dad was always the person that I went to for wisdom. He had this thing. He would say every time something really amazing would happen that was a big life accomplishment, he would go, okay, on a scale of zero to 10, how was it? And then he would go through and analyze and have this whole thing. And when that changes, when that person is yeah. kind of that source of wisdom or um, or support for you, it, it can be difficult. Yeah. So tell us about the piece with um, with your husband as well, about more, I mean, okay. not all the nitty gritty details. I know you talk yeah. about it in your book. People can go yes. read about it, but, yes. but it's not a secret. But Tell me what happened there that made you also really reevaluate. So my husband had made a unilateral decision, a decision that I felt should have been something that you discuss as a partnership. I think decisions in a marriage, you know, you're in it together, you're partners. And he made this unilateral decision, which felt very betraying to me. And, um, and, and when you walk into a lawyer's office and the lawyer delivers the news, instead Mm. of your husband, you feel like an emotional two by four hit you in the head. Yeah. And so that is what sent me into therapy. And again, the person that I thought, you know, I thought we were, I, I was a stay at home mom. I was raising our four kids. Um, we were dividing and conquering. We were almost towards the end. Like, you know, we Mm. only had like you know, eight years until our kids were gone, you know, they were, we were starting to have a little bit more freedom. And um, it, that was my wake up call. And I thought, wow, I don't think my husband is the person I thought he was because I had put 110% into my marriage. Mm-hmm. You know, I made sure that the laundry was done, my house was clean, the kids' schedules were taken care of, managed all the carpools, I coached soccer, you know, mm-hmm. I did all those things. And then he, and and the unfortunate thing is he didn't see it the way I saw it. But mm-hmm. I that I went into therapy and I'm like, okay, I'm going to fix all the things that are wrong with our marriage. Mm-hmm. Here's the list, right? And through that process, I thought, and it, again, it took me a while to get through it because this, again, is an eight-year period of my mm-hmm. life. But I finally had to come to the realization is I can't fix him and I can't fix my marriage. I can only fix myself. And change, and change myself, which 
that's what these three events or, you know, did for me mm-hmm. is it gave me the opportunity to look inward and do a lot of self-reflection and a lot of self-development. Um, I did things from, you know, kind of traditional therapy, went to codependence programs. I also did some very kind of what I would call woo-woo, you know, energy sure. work, you know, sure. I, I, desperate times require desperate yes. measures. So yes. it was like, I'll try anything, you know, mm-hmm. because, because one of the belief systems that I had in my head was if I create the family that I didn't have as a child, it will save me. Yeah. And I had to get rid of the, and it took me a long time. And I'm like, no, my, that is not going to save me. I'm the only one who can save me. Yeah. You know, it's interesting as a parallel to just the working mom world, which I know you weren't in, in that moment, but it really is. We, we do a lot of talking in the working mom world about culture change and all the things Mm -hmm. that need to change from a policy standpoint and all the things that need to change culturally within organizations and big business and all of those things to support women who do want to have careers. And a lot of our listeners are, are working women, though not all. And I'm always talking to people about this idea of, of course, we should advocate for change. Of course, we should be, you know, on the forefront of saying, yes, this is, these are our needs. You guys come along and change it. But man, you can't wait for that stuff to change. I, I'm not going to be able to fix my group. Maybe my organization will never, ever change. Maybe my business right. that I work for will never change. What are the things that I have to do to set boundaries for myself? What are right. the decisions I have to make that work for me, that right. will give me the life that I want, or at least have it be that at the end of five years, I look back and say, okay, I spent my time on the things that I cared about. Right. Yep, my and, energy well, was for the things that mattered. Right. And, and I think that's a unilateral message that goes across, you know, the whole board, whether you're, you know, a successful corporate person or you're staying at home. It, yep. It's so important for us to, to step up and ask for, well, first, I think it's, taking the time to reflect and ask yourself, what is it that I need in Mm -hmm. my situation? What is it that I need that is going to provide me with more happiness Mm -hmm. in my work environment, in my home environment, Mm -hmm. in my family life, and then advocating for ourselves because so many of us have been taught that our needs come last. Yeah. I mean, I think we're really talking about worth, about understanding our worth. Absolutely. I mean, that's the core of it. It's the Mm -hmm. core of this is worth. Absolutely. And sometimes those messages get delivered to us from a very early age, right? Mm -hmm. And um, for me, I grew up in a house that I did not feel safe in. Mm -hmm. Um, There was... So, uh, an abuser living in my house. Mm-hmm. And so I, in some ways, not to that extent, but I, in some ways, recreated that in my marriage. 
Mm -hmm. I, you know, even though I consciously thought I was doing something very, very different. Yeah. I thought I was marrying somebody very different from my dad, but in the end, I married somebody similar with some similar emotional traits. You know, he just did not have the capacity to emotionally be there for me when I was going through these things. He was a person that was always going to protect his interest in the relationship or as an individual before he protected the unity of the marriage. Mm -hmm. And, um, and where I was not, I was like, we're family, we're in this together, Mm -hmm. we're whole. And I did not have that. And that was another thing that I had to, because I didn't believe in divorce. Mm-hmm. Like you commit better or worse, richer or poor, sickness yeah. and health. We're in this together. But right. he had he had different views about that. Mm-hmm. And it, yeah, go ahead. Oh, no, I just was going to say that it sounds honestly in hearing you that it actually sounds like you developed that ability to be like compassionately assertive, right? I hear you just saying, listen, I get it. Maybe you don't have the bandwidth to be able to give me that support yeah. that I need. I don't know if you would have labeled it at that point, but you know, that's what a boundary yeah. is, right? Saying, listen, right. I, I get it. Maybe this won't work for you, but this is what I need. So if you can't yeah. provide it, then. Right. You know. <laughs> and, and But it, you know, it also took me time to, to find my voice in that, right? Mm-hmm. Because I didn't have a voice because some of the trauma I experienced as a child silenced me. So it took me time to develop that, my voice in the marriage. And then I kept trying and trying. And then, and trust me, I went through all the phases, you know, I had Mm -hmm. anger, I had resentment, I had Mm -hmm. all of those things. But at the end of the day, I had to just accept this is who he is. He's not a horrible person. Mm -hmm. He's just not my person. He was my person when I married him mm-hmm. and we have grown apart and he is no longer my person. Mm-hmm. And some of your listeners may find themselves in that place. It is time to run, not walk to your bookstore or have your fingers do whatever is the equivalent of running to the Amazon store. So online to purchase our new book, it's called The Working Mom Blueprint, Winning at Parenting Without Losing Yourself. It is a labor of love. I'm so excited to deliver this book baby to you and to help you really feel like you are winning at parenting without losing yourself, mama. If you want to also check it out at the library it's there borrow it from a friend however i just want you to get this solid information so you can start thriving not just surviving in motherhood yeah i'm just reading this line from the description of your book that says sandwiched is a memoir debut about what it means to let go of the life you planned in order to find the life you belong to. Mm-hmm. That, that sums it up. <laughs> right. I mean, like you said, maybe that was the person before. Yeah. It wasn't the person eventually for you. Yeah. And, and don't get me wrong. I mean, there were some really wonderful things about 
my marriage. You know, there were a lot of hard things, but there were a lot of wonderful things. I have four incredibly beautiful children who I would not trade for the world. Right. I love them. They're my inspiration every day. Um, they're doing great things out in the world. And that was my work, you know, because I actually, and this isn't right for everybody, but before I had children, I always thought I was going to be one of those moms. I was going to work. I was never going to let a man, you know, take support me. But after I held my first child in my arms, I just thought, oh my God, how do I let somebody else care for this? And again, this is me. I'm not projecting this on any of your listeners whatsoever. Sure, sure. But for me, that was what resonated with me. And so that became my job of, I wanted to be the influence. I wanted to be the one that was influencing them and, and guiding them because I, I always thought I can go back and have a career. I, I, I can't, for me, I wanted that time with my children. So that became my full-time job, you know, and, and I do not regret that decision whatsoever. Mm-hmm. I have to say through that, I did lose myself. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like I also reinvented myself and I'm in a place now where I I couldn't have, I don't think I would be where I am today uh, without the experiences and, and what I went through and the time I spent on myself and reflection and development. I couldn't be happier with where I'm at and what I've created for myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I want to dig into that a little bit more because it, throughout the book, you talk about a number of professionals, retreats, yoga, traditional therapy, all of those things. Was there one thing that impacted you the most or moved you the most in that healthy direction toward where you find yourself today? For me personally, because of some of the trauma that I experienced as a child, um, I would say healing that those childhood wounds mm-hmm. was probably the biggest thing because we have to heal those childhood wounds mm-hmm. before we can really move on. We Because those wounds cause us to, to not have the self-worth, to not have the self-love. Mm-hmm. And if we don't have that self-worth and we don't have that self-love, how can we really truly love someone else and truly right. be there for those other people in our lives that matter right. and for our jobs? Yeah. For our jobs, for our kids, I um, for our husbands, for our parents. Yeah. From all the people that are, that are in our lives. Absolutely. I, I, I remember in one chapter, you talk about uh, using EMDR um, therapy. And, you know, you guys can Google that. But it's like this idea of um, imagining yourself as the child version of yourself. And you're the one who's coming to comfort yourself as the um, adult. But that was part of, of the yeah. uh, some of the work that you were doing. And I've, some, I've done some of that myself. And, of course caveat, right? Professional caveat that everyone should consult your own professional medical yes. consultants and, and, and mental health consultants as to what would be the best fit for you. But I will say that that ability to see myself as an adult 
to see myself as a child, yes. as an adult, like looking in on myself and me being the one who recognized those feelings that I had and attending to those wounds was so powerful for me when I did that Incredi- work. It's incredibly powerful. Um, I, I I did that because I'm also adopted. So I did that to my adopted baby. You know, so I, I went to this right. intense program for a week where I, there was two things. One, I, they had me hold a baby in my arms that, and me as an adult, and that baby was myself. And I was supposed to tell, you know, what did I want to tell my mm-hmm. infant self? Mm-hmm. And it was so powerful. Um. It was very, very powerful. And again, it, it it took time for everything to kind of settle in after that. And then I also faced, you know, my abuser, you know, you imagine them sitting in a chair across from you and you tell them what you weren't able to say to that person when, um, when you were little yeah. and, and it, it's extremely powerful. And, and what's interesting is, because I still, there's things that happen in life that still trigger me, right? Sure. And so I will do that same work, but I can do, because I've done enough of it and I've been in enough therapy, I know how to do that for myself. If I get triggered, I will say, okay, how old am I when this happened? And and I visualize my adult self, uh, you know, talking to or comforting that little girl and, um and it works. And, and sometimes I'm, you know, curled up, you know, in fetal position in my bed, crying, mm-hmm. doing it, but it works. And if somebody else shared something with me that I want to try is you can also like get a stuffed animal or, you know, some, a pillow, a special pillow or something and have that be, this sounds weird, like either that symbolizes your younger self. Yeah. That's a better way to put it. Yeah. No, I mean, I think it all like, when I, I remember when I did it, like it all felt a little bit woo-woo, like doing it felt very awkward, you know, mm-hmm. but in the end it makes perfect sense because you're almost trying to like, um, it's almost like in Whole Brain Child, which is, if you guys don't know that book, it's by Tina Payne Bryson and Dan Siegel. And they talk about, um, changing neural pathways for kids. If a kid has a traumatic uh, situation, like let's say there was a fire in the house and it was scary for the kiddo and you had to have the fire truck come. And then every single time now that they would see a fire truck, they would get really afraid and have kind of a fight or flight response. But you can actually change the neural pathways of how they remember that memory by talking about how, yep, we did have the fire truck come, but then remember we went to the hospital and then we got an ice cream after and it was so great. And like, you're like literally changing the memory inside your head. And so to be able to do that, of course, it's much deeper work and more uh, intense work, but to do that over actual trauma or around events that were mentally traumatic for us that ingrained Mm -hmm. an idea or a belief inside of us Mm -hmm. equally powerful, if not infinitely more powerful for us. um, Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and there's, and there's various modalities in the therapy world that can help with that childhood trauma. You know, there's, 
bioenergetics, there's somatic experiencing, there's EMDR, there's, and I'm not a psychologist, uh, but I've, I know that because I've had some of uh, those treatments on myself and they are very powerful and they work. Yeah. Uh, If you could give a message to other women who feel stuck in their motherhood experience, and maybe it's not as dramatic of an experience as you had, because um, I totally understand that feeling. That's the same in my in my life where I go, oh my gosh, I have to write this down. Nobody would, would believe this would be happening. To right? Me, you know? You're like, when did this come become my life? <laughs> I, I get on a Zoom happy hour call with my friends and we share what's going on in our life with our kids. And my friends just look at me with these blank stares, like, what's yeah, happening for you? I know. Um, So maybe they're not having as dramatic of an experience as you did, but I do believe so many moms feel stuck, even if it's just in this sandwiching between the cooking and cleaning and caring for everything, Mm -hmm. but they also have their parents to take care of or their partner's needs or their work needs or whatnot. What would be your message to those moms who feel really stuck in their motherhood experience or in their relationships? I would say, take the time and invest in yourself. And uh, because we all need to understand who we are, where we came from, and how our past has shaped us into the person we are, so that way we know what we need as individuals and can then start asking for our needs to be met in our relationships, whether it's a, you know, a girlfriend or uh, your partner or even with your kids and setting boundaries. I mean, I can remember being a, being a mom and giving myself a timeout, you know, it's like, mm. you know, it's like, I, I'm like, I'm going into the bathroom and I'm having a timeout right now. It's, and, yeah. but it's, it's so important. Uh, and, and it's not easy work. And, you know, for some listeners, um, it might be a little bit easier, but we have to invest in ourselves. We have to give ourselves permission to give ourselves the time that we need so that way we can fill up our, you know, refuel, rejuvenate so that way we can be there for our jobs so that we can be there for our spouses and our, our kids. Cause if we're drained, we have nothing to give anything. Yeah. And, exactly. and, and that self care, I, I hated that. I was like, I don't need that. But now I'm like, okay, you know, but it's true. It's true. And it really, I am living proof. It makes a world of difference. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that idea of like self-care, turning that on its head from the Manny Petty Spa Day to self-care at its core is about taking time just to remember what are the things that bring you joy yes. to remember that you have needs that are worthy of being attended to and attuned to that you deserve to be a person who shows up for yourself. Yeah. And who matters just as much as everything else and everyone else in your world. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Lori, for being here. It has been my pleasure to have you on the show. Well, thank you. It's been my pleasure. I've really enjoyed our conversation today. Absolutely. You guys, the book is called Sandwiched. It is in stores now. So go out and grab a copy. 
Hey mama, if you want more of the Modern Mommy Dog podcast, make sure that you click subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. We'd also be so honored if you shared with your friends and on social media with the hashtag Modern Mommy Dog. If you share about something that inspired you or that you learned from the podcast, we'll be sure to share it on our social media as well. Thanks for listening.